Well, it's finally here. It is Back to Church Sunday for Waters Church, at least Norwood and North Attleboro. Today, we're going to discuss all the things that we've done, all the things we're going to put in place to make sure that you can come back to church safely and confidently. This is your favorite night of the week. Welcome to the Deep End. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Tuesday night, 7 p.m., The Deep End with Tim Hatch, and I have a special guest in studio today with me. This is episode 28 of season three, and we're going to get to the Book of Acts in a few moments, but we're going to spend some time talking about the all-important day that has come upon us this Sunday. Yes, we're back. We're back in a small way, in a fraction of the way that we should be back, but it's better than nothing. I've missed you. We've missed you. I know you've missed me. How could you not? So good to see you so here <laughs> virtually, but soon, soon I will see you in person in this building again and joining me to discuss all the details that you need to know so that you can be ready to come this Sunday, if possible, is our executive pastor, Shane Parsons. Welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. Glad that you're here back on the Deep, deep yep, End Studio. It's a pleasure to be here. Yep. Back here. And Treated we are very well here as a guest. Very good. We didn't give you water, but that's, nope, that's what I'm saying. Next time we'll get that right. <laughs> uh, you have socially distanced yourself from me. That's good. Six feet. You will notice that Martin Luther and Albert Einstein have also socially distanced. <laughs> so they are practicing all the requirements necessary. And uh, we're going to talk about what we're going to be doing this Sunday. So pay attention, pay close attention to these next few moments. First off, want to say it again like and subscribe on the YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed yet to the YouTube channel, please do so. YouTube.com slash The Deep End TV. Make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you're clicking that notification bell and make sure you're hitting that like button. Okay, welcome to the Spotify audience. W-E-Z-E, Family 590 in Boston. Uh, welcome to FM 99.5, Thursday nights in Rhode Island. We're so glad that you're here. If you are in Rhode Island and you are looking to come to church, well, this is your chance. Just go across the border. I don't know if that's legal. I don't know if I, I should say can. that. Can yeah. I say that? Okay, fine. There you go. Why not? All right, well, I had a big day today. I uh, just want to let you know, a little brag, a little dad brag, okay? This happened. My daughter has graduated high school. Yay. Yay, my firstborn. Yeah. So there she is with my wife, and that was our afternoon, and we are so excited, so happy for you, Olivia. Good job, Olivia. And I just want to give her a little shout-out on the deep end because she did not get the typical graduation ceremony. Oh. It, was, it was quite lame, quite lame, but... <laughs> Hats off to Cumberland High School. They did a great job, uh, as best as you could, to just give them a kind of a nice moment there to walk across a little room and take pictures and all that stuff. So <clears throat> not what I expected when I was thinking about the day my firstborn would graduate not high that. school, but that's what happens. This is the day in which we live. It is COVID-19 uh, generation, whatever you want to call it, COVID-19 context. Um, so... The moment that many of you have been probably longing and waiting for is upon us. The end, maybe, is in sight for now. According to Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker, in-person worship services are now allowed in the state of Massachusetts for up to 40% of capacity, which means that if you take away the 50 people we need to run a service, well, that means we have 430 spots available to you, the wonderful people of North Attleboro Waters Church, and I don't know how many in Norwood, Shane... How many well, spots available? There are about 100 uh, spots left in both locations. Oh, okay. So 100 spots left in both locations as of this recording to tonight, okay? So 100 spots left. And if you are really serious about coming, please register yeah. uh, as soon as you can at waterschurch.org. You must register. You must register. Now, please don't register if you're only kind of, sort of thinking about coming. That's right. <laughs> We need to know that you're coming because we're putting a lot of work in. Uh, already 300 people have registered for the North Attleboro campus, yep, 100 people up in Norwood. No campus, uh, no uh, service for Woonsocket. Uh, the building's already in, plus the state has not opened up for worship services yet. So I want to introduce, you know, say goodbye to Shane Parsons, executive pastor, because now you need to say hello to Shane Parsons, health and safety officer of Waters Church. <laughs> and, uh, this Great. is a new Just role. Can wonderful. we put that full screen? It's <laughs> oh, kind of like, sure. there we go, full, full screen. screen. <laughs> the safe health and safety officer of Waters Church, he has been at the job for an astonishing 18 hours. <laughs> we had to name somebody, according to the stipulations from the uh, from the state legislature here, not the state, the state house. Yeah. We got this 
big pamphlet that they sent us. All these things that we've got to make sure that we take care of. So safe, health and safety officer, we needed one. And you know me, I don't like to work, so we asked Jane to do it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right, anyway, in-person services, we are going to go through this step-by-step. Step. Stay with us. If you're not interested and if you're watching this past the recording or the live moment, uh, whether on Facebook or YouTube, well, you can just skip ahead to the Book of Acts. But we're going to go for maybe the next 10 to 20 minutes on what we've done to make sure that the building is ready for you, safe for you. So, Shane, give us the lowdown. Let's assuage their fears. Let's calm their nerves let's let them know how seriously we take the reopening period sure. and how diligently you and the team and everybody around here has been to make sure that they can come okay well we've been working very hard at this um since we got the news on uh sunday night so we've been going full steam ahead um like like you said we can have 40 percent of the capacity in so 40 percent um is about 480 people we need 50 people to run it um, so we're going to go with that for this weekend. A um, couple of th things. There's no kids programming yet. Warriors Kids is on hold, and it looks like that may be on hold until uh, mid-June. So we're not going to be able to have Warriors Kids. But as always, kids um, over 10 are welcome to come with you. You just have to make sure that you register your kids too. 10, uh, 10 and over. Right. Right, yeah. So. Did I say that? You said over 10. Oh, okay. And then... Um, that sounded like you needed 10 kids to have them come. <laughs> if you have more than 10 kids, you're more than welcome. <laughs> yeah, please. No, you're encouraged to stay home. You're encouraged <laughs> to stay home, actually, if you have over 10 kids. All right, anyway, back to seriousness now. Uh, yeah, so we're going to practice social distancing. Uh, all of the staff uh, will be in, in masks. Uh, the serve team will be in a mask. The only people not will be people on stage. Uh, the cafe has to be closed for the time being. Um Info Central will be closed. Uh, next up will be closed. So we're going to park you every other parking spot, and we're going to escort you uh, into the sanctuary, which will practice social distancing as well. Uh, every other row will be taken out, and we'll seat you by families, and then skipping, a, I think it's three chairs, and then putting another family in. Now talk about this private room with restroom access provided for those who may become ill on site. That's so if you are sick or feeling sick, do not come. Oh, yes, but of course. Right. if you do feel sick here, we have a private room. We're going to use the Elevate room that has separate bathrooms. So we'll escort you in there until, you can, until you're ready to go home or however that and there's plays a separate, out. And there's a separate exit from the building from that room. Correct. They won't be using that exit if they, come, if they get sick here. Mm -hmm. And high-risk groups, we are encouraging to watch online. Don't For come. For sure. Don't come. If you have a pre-existing condition, if you're in that group, you know, you don't... Uh, we, as the church, we do not want to provide for you a worrisome event. We want to provide for you a very confident event. And so uh, don't risk it if you don't need, uh, if, you can't, if, you have, uh, if you have that uh, high-risk uh, condition. Okay, so that's building prep. And then we're going to talk about what, what can they expect once the doors open and services here. And maybe talk to how should, uh, what time should they arrive and all that kind of stuff. So You should get here approximately 9.45. One service, We're yeah. going to have one service one at 10 a.m. 10, 10 a.m., yeah. And we're going to open all the doors so you don't have to touch the handles. We're going to keep them open. Um, and then um, we're not going to... Um, take up uh, an offering with the buckets. It's going to still be done electronically. Mm -hmm. or we'll have the boxes in the back. So if you want to give uh, cash or anything like that, you can put it in the box on mm -hmm. the way out. Yeah. And let me just uh, speak to this electronic tithing. A lot of you have um, adopted this by necessity. And I want to just say hats off to you. Thank you so much. Uh, Waters Church financially is in a very strong position because of all the people that adopted yeah. online giving. And it's amazing how this crisis has actually done something for us. We used to encourage this all the time and people resisted and resisted and resisted. A lot of people engaged it, but there was always those, you know, you know, late adapters, uh, technologically unsavvy people, and it seems like they've all gotten up to task with it. They've all gotten up to speed with it. So we're very encouraged by the fact that you guys, Waters Church peeps, have been giving so generously and so consistently through this entire crisis. Yeah, for sure. Um, so six feet apart in the sanctuary. So describe for me, you said people are going to be escorted. Now, somebody might feel like, whoa, big brothery, kind of like, you know, what are you going to do? Take me by the hand. Just to kind of describe that process. Well, They're how they, the deacons now, they kind of usher you in. It'll just be a little bit more, making sure that your family is a safe distance from the next family. So, so they're not kind of, walking you from your car to the seat. No, you can no. come into the 
to the lobby, and then we'll take you in from there. All right. So I, I get out of my car, park every other parking spot, get out of my car, walk into the lobby, and then I just, they'll kind of like, just show me, like, kind of like wave. Yeah, like, exactly. Here you go. Here you go. Here. All right, good. Uh, that's 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 very encouraging. Um, and then talk about the hygiene and the personal care uh, things that we have put in place. So we have we've had for a while the uh, Perel dispensers. So there's going to be plenty more of those. Mm-hmm. And we hired a cleaning company, uh, Spotless Cleaners, and they'll be here for the whole service cleaning um everything and they uh, come to our church right that's the, yeah, the, the owner company. clever he comes to the church mm-hmm. but so we're going to have a team you'll see them they'll have their own shirts on so you'll know they're the cleaning company and there's going to be two people assigned to the bathrooms we'll limit how many people can go in and out of there mm-hmm. and they'll be constantly constantly being cleaned throughout the whole service mm-hmm. and everything that's touched will be wiped down right away like if you use the uh giving kiosk um, they'll just come clean it right after you're done. And they're going to stay there, stand there and clean it after yeah. everybody uses it. Wow. Okay, great. And now, uh, um, masks. So people need to wear masks? People, what? what's the deal? So, yes, that you, if you need to wear a mask, uh, especially the staff. If you don't feel comfortable wearing a mask and you don't come with a mask, um, we'll have them for you, but we're not going to make you put it on. Yeah, we're not going to make you put it on. That's a key, that's a key little note there. Um, yeah, we're not going to do that. No. And uh, anything else off the top of your head that you can think of that might uh, might be people might, might need to hear? Again, no children's ministry children's ministry areas are not open. They're not even allowed to be open. No, just like our daycare, they he closed it till uh, June 29th. So right. kind of thinking that's when that will be uh, Waters Kids will be able to open when you can have daycare. They so think. we're talking about July. Yeah, July before, 1st, we're going for the day can we think. Yeah. Um, what else? Anything else that we should be aware of? I think I think we covered it. And we have 100 spots left. As of today. As of today. Yeah. And register at waterschurch.org for either Norwood or North Attleboro locations. Yeah, all this is, applies to Norwood, too. The same thing. Same thing at Norwood. Great. Yeah. Uh, one church at both... Uh, one church. Um, one service at both locations, 10 a.m. Yeah. And... Um, let me think. Is there anything else that I had to say about this? I will be preaching uh, in North Attleboro. Pastor Geyser will be back at the Norwood campus yeah, this weekend. He can't wait. You know, he just came back from Florida just in time. <laughs> he, was, he was, you could say, stuck down there. I, I, I consider that the vacation. Uh, he was down there yeah. uh, for this entire lockdown, and he comes back just in time for the first uh, opportunity to hold services, which is great. Well, we have a new, um, we're not going to do the bulletins, so we took all the Offering envelopes out of the chairs. We mm. took the pens out of the chairs. And now we're going to have a digital bulletin. Yeah, going and that's forward. That, I saw that this weekend. That's really cool. And I really like it. There's a digital bulletin for anybody who was here this weekend. You saw it on waterchurch.tv. And I was so cool to see. Yeah, um, came out nice. Came out really nice. And this week, you'll be able to print out the notes or save them as a PDF once you take notes during the sermon, because I'm a big believer in take notes while the sermon is being preached. I'm not just trying to impress you with Bible knowledge. I'm trying to give you life tools to help you and sometimes those notes are the best way to get it in you and just keep it for later and all that kind of stuff so that's a great thing uh you were on a phone call today a zoom call as you have been almost every week with some executive pastors of what i call the the cool church movement which is you know the kind of church where rock and roll music lights camera smoke the whole thing cool church movement so shockingly we found out that we are the only one opening out of that group, they couldn't believe it. <laughs> and they couldn't believe that we were open. Yeah, they're asking me all kinds of questions. And I this go, is a group of New England, Massachusetts pastors, New England pastors. Massachusetts, New England, yeah. Yeah. So they don't, none of them are opening. No, they're talking July. July? Yeah. That's unbelievable. I can't, I don't know That's why. That's crazy. I don't know, I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> and, and what was their reasoning? Why didn't they not want to open up? Well, they, if they can't do everything that they're used to doing, they want to wait until they can do it 100%. percent mm. So if they can't open the cafe or the kids, they're going to wait. Yeah, see, I, I see it differently. This is how, yeah. you know, we've talked about this too. Yeah. It's like some people, you are desperate to get into community again. And even if it's just a less than, um, you know, less than desirable environment, at least it's something. Right. That's, we had 200 people register in the first hour that it went up. Really? Yeah. So the registrations are going fast. Make sure you register at www.waterschurch.org. No www. No www. Just waterschurch. Oh, that's old school, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Old yeah. School. Sorry. We, we lost that. Dude, that's so, so 1998. Yeah. What the heck? Oh my word. Waterschurch.org. Right. Waters, Waters Waters yeah. And, and there's a new homepage that gives you the option. 
of Norwood and North Attleboro. Correct. Yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's the only page that you get to when you go to waterschurch.org. Yeah. And if you are serving at the church, you have to register. So there's no yeah. exemptions to the... Re- I registered yesterday. Me so too. So you yeah. have to register. Everybody <laughs> in this room is registered. We all have to register. To yeah, because sure. we want to make sure we do Stay. what we say. Yeah. And we're doing everything we can to be as above board as possible for this entire process. Look, we do take your health seriously. Uh, we do not... Um, think that faith is jumping off a bridge and expecting God to save you. Right. Uh, so we don't want you to take unnecessary risks. And at the same time, we don't want you living in con- perpetual, uh, inordinate fear and anxiety about coming to church. Right. So, you know, some of you have got to take a look at your situation. You say, I'm not sure if I want to go. And if you're not sure, my admonition to you is don't come. If you're not sure. I, I only want you to come if you're sure and healthy. Um, so we don't want to put anybody in a position where they are anxious about coming back to church. Come back to church if you are dying to be there and you are healthy and there is no symptoms and all that kind of stuff. Um, but at the same time, some of you who are so anxious, my, my prayer for you is that over the next few weeks, because hopefully we'll be doing this uh, now going forward for the next, until it's back to some semblance of normal, right. um, that over the next few weeks, God will start to open your heart so that you can come back to church and you are at ease and at peace coming back. You know, I mean, we, have, we were talking about this. We had an elders meeting last night, and you need to know that our elders, we gathered in person in the sanctuary, walked around the sanctuary, prayed over the sanctuary, believe in God for a mighty move of his Holy Spirit in that room this Sunday. So we have spiritually covered the building in prayer for you. We're now going to do it with um, the uh, disinfectants <laughs> uh, <laughs> physically. But um, you know what we want to just make sure that you understand is that we want to lead you forward in peace. And at the same time, we want to make sure that church is a priority. Gathering in the church is a priority, not just for you, but in community. Like that, this has been my biggest frustration with the lockdown. And I put the air quotes up there because Lowe's has not locked down. No. Nope. Home Depot has not locked down. Just went there this weekend. Grocery stores. <laughs> I went there this weekend, could not find a parking spot. It was like Disneyland. Yeah. And I was, Disney World, never been to Disneyland. And I was shocked. I There must have been over a thousand people in that building. And yet... No problem, and yeah. and and no issue, and no one registering numbers at the door, and right. none none of the precautions that we have taken, at least as far as I know, are being taken for people walking into there, except for the masks. And I hear that they disinfect after everybody's gone, but we're we're going to disinfect right before they come. We're going to disinfect right after they leave. We're talking about an hour. We're talking about a one hour period. Yeah, constantly cleaning one day of the week. That that that's just for a gathering of 40% capacity of our building, which I guarantee is less than our there. We're going to be far less people in our church this Sunday than are in Home Depot this Sunday yeah. uh, or Lowe's this Sunday. And so that's why I say lockdown. This has been, <laughs> there has been just too many things that have not aligned to, uh, from me anyway, from my perspective, to say that this was a real, real huge issue. Now I get it. And some of you need to listen. You've heard endless reports of how deadly this virus is. Well, it is deadly for a very small group of people, those high-risk individuals like we talked about, and the elderly. And then we're talking about over 78 years of age. Uh, So again, if you're in that group, my admonition is to don't take the risk. But here's the deal. If you're in that group and you've been going left, right, and center everywhere (laughs) else, and then you say, oh, no, no, church. Could it possibly be that a different spirit has gotten into you and you're not even aware of it? Yeah, amen. You know what I mean? Sharp yeah. words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you've been going to Home Depot. You're 78. You got a pre-existing condition. You're going to Home Depot, going to Lowe's, going to all the and then suddenly you like, oh no, church, church. Oh, yeah. Whoa, 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 yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, no, wait, wait. We're calling you out. <laughs> have you? Have you? And this is, you know, this is the the reality of the church. We tend to think that sin is sexual immorality and and gambling and uh, you know uh, divorce and all those other wrong things, right? Stealing and, and all those things. But there's also some th- such a thing as perpetual anxiety, yeah. perpetual fear, and giving yourself over to the spirit of the age. And again, I want to make sure you're clear, so you're not thinking that I'm saying high-risk group people come to church. I'm saying if you are going everywhere else, and now in your mind it is, I can't go to church, there's something wrong. Right. There's something wrong there. So anything else that you want to say, Shane? Thanks so much for being here today and uh, sh- sharing that information. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, no, I think we covered it all. We're looking forward to seeing everybody Sunday, that's for sure. 
Are you enjoying your new position as health and safety officer? Yeah, the greatest <laughs> 18 hours of my life. The, the power just goes straight to your yeah, head, doesn't it? I have business cards. I'll tell you. He walks softly, but he carries a big can of Lysol. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Shane. Thank and you. I look forward to seeing you guys in person <laughs> for the first time in a long time. Looking forward to it. Oh, one last thought, though, is, Shane, if you can come back real quick, is <laughs> if we get capacity service <laughs> this weekend uh, in one service, we were talking about going to two services. Yeah, noon. A noon. noon. So, yeah, if the registrations run out, and we have more people trying to register than we have room for, we're going to add a service. Now, that is going to take a lot for us to do that because I'm imagining it's Memorial Day and we don't have kids ministry and all that kind of stuff, so we'll see. But pay attention to our text alert system, yeah. Water Church, uh, one word, text Water Church, one word, two, four, one, four, one, one, and you will be on the text alert system. Or follow our social uh, media accounts and you'll get all the information that you need. Okay. Okay. Well, all right. Thanks again. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I look forward to seeing you. I hope that you feel comfortable coming back. And, um, if you are, man, let's, let's get ready to just worship God. Let's get ready to get back into the presence of the Holy spirit with one another. Looking forward to it. And now let's head into after this message, the book of acts. The Deep End with Tim Hatch is made possible by contributions from listeners and viewers like you. If you would like to partner with us to support this ministry, you can go to thedeepend.tv slash partner or on the cash app with the cash tag, The Deep End TV. Okay, here we are, Acts chapter 18, and the title of this talk is Do Not Be Afraid, Church. Do Not Be Afraid, Church, How God's People Can Reject Fear and Move Forward. Now, I really believe that the Lord's hand was at work in the timing of this chapter for this uh, episode of the Deep End Show. You know, we did not. I did not schedule Acts chapter 18. We're just going verse by verse. This is, we, we call the deep end um, Bible study on your time. So we just go through a Bible study just like any old school Bible study Wednesday night instead of going to Wednesday night in the building, we we're online. Well, I didn't time this. I didn't, I didn't assign this day to Acts 18, but I believe that it is completely coordinated by the Holy Spirit. We know God is at work in his church and especially at work in when we hear what we hear from his word. And so in this chapter, we're going to see the mighty apostle Paul, the strong, mighty, fearless, uh, unstoppable, determined apostle Paul, who has been up to this point in the book of Acts, stoned, beaten, in prison, scoffed at, hated, abandoned, and disregarded by his friends and fellows, finally, the mighty Apostle Paul has a moment where he is overwhelmed. And I hope that you can hear me say this to you. Paul the Apostle, myself, the people who work for Waters Church, Billy Graham, Martha Therese, all the greats of human history who we aspire to emulate, maybe not me, but others, <laughs> uh, they were human. They had their moments. They too, at times, were overwhelmed by the times in which they lived. So if you're feeling that way, don't sweat it. Okay, we don't want you to stay that way, but we want you to understand you're human, I'm human, we all have our moments where we're afraid. Paul the Apostle actually experiences an overwhelming sense of fear in Acts chapter 18. Why? Maybe because after you've been beaten, stoned, and cast out of so many cities and disregarded and hated on for, you know, a number of years, you, you kind of start to feel like, what, what's, what, what else could happen? What's next? Well, let's get into it. Acts chapter 18, verse 1. Here we go. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Okay, so one verse there. Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And this is, um, <laughs> this is probably part of the contribution to why Paul feels overwhelmed because he leaves Athens in Acts chapter 17, which we talked about last week, the intellectual capital of the ancient world, the intellectual philosophical hub of ancient Greece with its Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, uh, with its constantly arguing and debating different ideas and different philosophies. And Paul is alone in the city. If you remember, 
he's alone and he's been sent to that city for his own protection, for his safety, because they want to kill him in Thessalonica and Berea. They want to kill him. So he has to go to Athens just to kind of like get a reprieve from all the attacks. When he's there, he gets into this argument, this debate with the philosophers, and they call him a babbler, and they kind of like castigate him. And then, you know, he leaves the city, and he doesn't have many people following him. And he's kind of maybe just feeling like, wow, all that work, and I got a couple of people following me. Maybe it wasn't worth it. Maybe at this moment, Paul had one of the moments that you could have in your life. A moment where you just start to question, is God there? Am I going to make it? Am I going to survive this? Am I going to get through this? And man, I'll tell you something. That's just, that's the human condition. We're all going to go through moments like that. Well, Athens is one place, the intellectual hub of the ancient world. And he goes from Athens to Corinth, which, you know, of all places to go from one, it's like out of the frying pan into the fire. Of all the places to go, he goes from the intellectual hub of the ancient world to the sensual decadent hub of the ancient world. Corinth was perhaps the most sexually licentious city in the ancient world, perhaps in all of history, outside of Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? It was located on a small isthmus on the southern part of Greece, uh, in, uh, in the peninsula, and it was this very, very thin, it's still there, it's, very, it's on a very thin plot of land that connects two major parts of the Greece peninsula, the Greek peninsula, and, and Corinth was a center for trade, it was a center for upward mobility, a lot of young people were moving into the city, it was where you went to make a name for yourself, make a life for yourself, the economy was booming when Paul went there, young people were, thrive, were, were dying to get into that city, uh, but it was also filled with sexual promiscuity. In fact, it had a famous temple to the Greek god Aphrodite, and uh, it was up on the top of the hill in the city, and there, the remains of that temple are still there. And every night, listen to this, every night, 1,000 temple shrine prostitutes would come down the mountain from that, prost- from that temple and ply their trade to the men of the city. And every night, it was just a basic citywide orgy. It was just... The, the sexual licentiousness of Corinth made it world-renowned across the Roman Empire for the place to be if you wanted to basically destroy your life with sexual pleasure. In fact, an ancient Roman writer uh, once wrote why he never went to Corinth. He said, quote, I learned in a short time the nauseating behavior of the rich and the misery of the poor. Now, interestingly, interestingly, Corinth had a temple for Aphrodite, the Greek god of you know, sex and pleasure. And it also had a temple for another Greek god, uh, Asclepius, Asclepius. It's hard to pronounce all these words. But anyway, Asclepius. And she, or he, was the Greek god of healing. Now that's important for us to note because here's the deal. Sexual licentiousness, sexual immorality, is not just sinful, it's also harmful. It can hurt your life. It can hurt you emotionally, it can hurt you physically. Uh, there's things like STDs, there's things like AIDS, there's things like viruses and, and, uh, and all kinds of other things that could happen to you physically. Not to mention the emotional harm, the mental harm of being uh, too sexually active with too many people. Like with, and by too many, I mean more than one person. <laughs> um, you know, we don't have to go into the details of this. We all know this. I mean, I know that this is kind of... Uh, politically incorrect to talk about it, but, but sexual activity outside of heterosexual monogamous marriage is harmful to the human race. There, there's so much evidence that supports what I just said. It's, un, it's unfathomable. So you have to understand that these people in Corinth, they were worshiping at the God, at the God of sex and pleasure. No wonder why they worshiped the God of healing because they probably had so many diseases and so many illnesses they needed healing for all their pleasure-seeking. And that's kind of where we are today, isn't it? Like we go and we, we try to have as much sex in our context, in American context. Now, I'm not talking about the church, but in American context, to go and have as much sex as we can to, with as many people as possible and many people, because we've been, we've been indoctrinated through Netflix. We've been, we, we've been indoctrinated through the media and the culture and now even the, the public school system to, to embrace sexual promiscuity, to embrace sexual activity with multiple partners and, and just make sure that it's quote-unquote safe and then we suffer all the harmful effects and then we have to go to the pharmacy and get all these pills, and we have to go to the doctor, and we have to get all these, all these treatments to make sure that we're healthy again. Well, that's Corinth. And here's why I say all that. Because you know what Corinth is? Corinth is America. Corinth is America. Corinth is every major metropolitan area of this country. Maybe Corinth is like Las Vegas. 
I see Paul going from Boston to Las Vegas. Athens, Boston. Corinth, Las Vegas, Sin City. So he comes into the city and he's probably just overwhelmed going from one city to another. And, and these people have no heart for God and it's a very paganistic city and he's there and he's alone. Well, here's what happens. Verse two, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because, and notice this, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. That's gonna be important for a moment. And he went to see them. And because he was at the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for they were tent makers by trade. Now, Priscilla and Aquila are two very common names in the scriptures because of this moment, because of the moment that they meet Paul the apostle. Now, the text says that he meets these two people, Priscilla and Aquila, because Claudius had commanded, Claudius the Roman emperor at this time, Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. Why? Well, we know from a Greek historian, uh, from a Roman historian named Suetonius, that the Jews were bickering in the city of Rome around this time amongst themselves about, according to Suetonius, a Roman historian, a guy named Crestus. And that is the Latin way of saying Christ. So the Jews in Rome, this is about 51, 53 AD, the Jews in Rome are having a big uh, argument, a big you know, kind of internal battle of, is Jesus Christ the Christ or is he not? And so they weren't getting along and they're kind of fighting and bickering. And so Claudius says, you know what? I'm done with you all. Get out of here. So he basically just expels all the Jews. All the Jews get out of Rome enough. And so unfortunately for Priscilla and Aquila, they get caught in the tailwind of this crisis, crisis, and they get uh, exiled to the city of Corinth. Or maybe they didn't get exiled there, but they ended up there because they were tent makers by trade. Why does the text mention that they were tent makers? Two reasons. Number one, because Paul was a tent maker. And number two, tent making in the ancient world was a highly mobile profession. It was like a traveling salesman profession. You, you were a tent maker. You were on the road 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. By the way, Paul was a tent maker, which empowered him to be mobile and bring the gospel to all these cities. Anyway, I bring all this up to say this. The government imposed upon the Jews of that day an exile, not of their own choice, but a compulsory exile for the Jews to leave Rome and go somewhere else. In other words, let me put it simpler. The government did something that upended their lives. And you would think that if you were Priscilla and Aquila, you would say, yikes, what are we going to do now? But they don't. God guides them and leads them to the city of Corinth where they meet who? Of all people, the Apostle Paul. And these two people become teammates of the Apostle Paul. They're going to be invaluable to his mission for Christ in the ancient world. And he's going to mention them in other letters that he writes in the New Testament and says, greet Priscilla and Aquila. Oh, and give Priscilla and Aquila my love. They became, they became stout-hearted partners with the Apostle Paul. I call them refrigerator friends. You have any refrigerator friends? People who you can go over their house and open their refrigerator without asking? <laughs> That's who Priscilla and Aquila were for the Apostle Paul. And I, I bring all this up to say this. In the middle of the COVID-19 crisis, where government has imposed something on our lives that has kind of upended us, and there's arguments to be made for and against all this upending, okay? That's not the point I'm trying to make. Here's the point I'm trying to make. That God is going to use this crisis and all the things that the government are doing to bring some things into your life that are new and helpful and beneficial to your future life. Yes, it is entirely possible that the result of this entire COVID-19 crisis will be that some people become strong members of the mission of Jesus as a result. Yes, it's also possible that some people are going to give up on God, like after 9-11. This is another interesting corollary. After 9-11, I remember how many people gave up on God because of the new atheists and all the aggressive atheists that started writing their books about how God can't exist because look at this, a terrorist attack was done in the name of religion. And, and so you have Christopher Hitchens writing about how religion poisons everything. And you have Richard Dawkins talking about the God delusion. You have, you have um, uh, the other guy, Harris, who, who writes about how, how silly it is to believe in God. And so you have this, this, this incredible movement of new atheism that, that leads many people out of the faith after 9-11 because it was a religiously inspired attack on our country. Country. And I wonder who is going to walk away from Christianity as a result of COVID-19 because they can't understand why God would ever allow a disease like this to sweep across the world. But let us not forget that in every situation, in every context, God raises up people from crisis, like Priscilla and Aquila, who become all-stars for the mission of Jesus. 
You know, it reminds me of a guy, and this is going to kind of sound funny, but it reminds me of a guy named Stephen Baldwin. We all know Alec Baldwin, right? We all know William Baldwin, but there's a guy named Stephen Baldwin. Stephen Baldwin is the unknown Baldwin brother. They call him the born-again Baldwin because after 9-11, in fact, he writes this in a book, and I read the book. It's called The Unusual Suspect, and the name of the book is The Unusual Suspect, uh, Unusual Suspect because he started the movie Usual Suspects, and he says that when he watched those towers fall, and I read the book, he says this, when he watched the towers fall on 9-11, it immediately opened his eyes to his need for Jesus Christ. He said he just knew. He said he, said knew, he knew there was evil in the world and that there needed to be an answer to it. He searched out the answer and he found Christ and he came to Christ and he became the quote-unquote born-again Baldwin and his whole family probably can't stand that about him. But nonetheless, he's an advocate for Christ to this day. He's, a, he's one of the people who became part of the team because of the crisis. And I wonder who in your life is going to become part of the team in your life? Who's going to become a closer friend in your life as a result of this crisis? Who's going to become somebody that you look to and depend on now because of this crisis? Don't let this crisis get into your spirit to make you feel like you're in a constant crisis moment. Let this crisis start to open your eyes to what could God do? How could God open your life up to different kinds of people and different new relationships that are going to lead you forward into the new season of your life? Paul finds new teammates because of a crisis. So anyway, I just want to make sure that you're understanding, too, that he was a tent maker by trade with these guys, Paul and uh, Priscilla and Aquila. And this brings up an important context. Again, Bible study on your time. This is why we talk about this. This gives us a chance to talk about details like Paul, the tent maker. Why was Paul a tent maker? Well, I already mentioned that it was a mobile trade. It allowed him to travel all over the world. But it was very common in the ancient world for philosophers or teachers of the law to accept money from the places that he went to. Well, Paul made it his practice, made it his determined practice to not accept money from the Corinthians or from the Thessalonians. He worked for a living. He worked vocationally, and then he preached the gospel on the weekends, right? Um, and some people say, well, that means that all ministers should be bivocational. They shouldn't actually have payment from the church. But that actually undercuts what Scripture reveals. And it actually undercuts exactly what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9. And he writes to the Corinthians to tell us why he chose to vocationally work to support himself as he preached the gospel. Um, to the Corinthians, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He talks about how he refused the right to be paid for preaching because he didn't want anybody to rob him of his boast that he preached the gospel free of charge. Now, why would Paul say something like that? Why was that important? For the Corinthians, especially, because that's who he writes that to. Well, here's the little backstory to that. Uh, earlier, before Paul got there, there was a guy named Diogenes, who was the leader of the Cynic philosophy. Cynic philosophy. Cynic philosophy was a movement that spread across the world, started by a guy named Diogenes, in Corinth. He was actually from Corinth. And the philosophy was that the ideal lifestyle was free from want and non-materialistic. And... They traveled the world to tell people this, but they depended on the contributions of the people that they taught this philosophy to. And you can imagine that the more gifted they were at declaring the philosophy, the more people were willing to give them money for teaching them the philosophy. And sure enough, before you know it, some of them were taking advantage of gullible crowds and gullible people who thought, yes, that's the truth. Now let me give money to hear more of the truth. And so this philosophy, this cynic philosophy, traveled spread across the world, and it originated in the city of Corinth. And so Paul very strategically here says, you know what? I don't want to be associated with that kind of philosophy. I don't, want to, I don't want to equate the gospel to that philosophy. There's some similarities there, like being free from want and trusting and being, you know, kind of like, you know, this, this lifestyle of non-materialism. That's kind of a Christian fruit, right? But it's not the Christian message. The Christian message is Jesus died and rose again. And so he did not want to associate his philosophy with the cynic philosophy. He strategically chose not to be paid. And so you have to understand there's context behind the truth of the scriptures. And even in that chapter, 1 Corinthians 9, where Paul talks about the fact that he did not use the right, he talks about it, it's a right to be funded for the gospel. Even in that very chapter, he says that there is a biblical mandate for, pre for paying preachers and paying teachers of the word. Um, he uses a quote from Deuteronomy, do not muzzle the ox while it's treading out the grain. He uses that to refer to paying people for their labor. Jesus actually taught this. He said, accept whatever they give you. Uh, uh, the workman is worthy of his hire. I mean, these are principles of scripture that we can find elsewhere, but we need to know that Paul, and it just, it just kind of speaks to who he is. Everything is on the, pay, on the table for teaching and preaching the word of God. Every single thing. If he needed to take a job to make sure that the gospel was not 
you know, uh, corrupted and that preaching the gospel was not tainted by his motivations, then he did it because that's how important it was for him to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anyway, moving on. Verse four. He goes to Corinth and he reasons in the synagogue every Sabbath. This was his common um, MO. This is his common method of uh, evangelizing a city. So there was a Jewish sect. There was a Jewish gathering, a Jewish community in the city of Corinth. And he goes into the city every Sabbath and he tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. Now, when Silas and Timothy, his partners in ministry, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And now this familiar refrain that Paul has experienced in synagogue after synagogue. And when they opposed and reviled him, notice what it says next. He shook, all, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Okay, this is a significant moment. And I'm not going to spend much time on this, but I just want to let you know. It's actually a cultural practice in the first century, and actually even after the first century, for Jews to shake off their garments towards Gentiles. This is what they would say, because Gentiles, they regard Gentiles as less than human. And so the Jews would say, you're a Gentile, I shake off my garment. I don't want anything to do with you. Significantly, Paul does this actually not to Gentiles, but to who? To Jews, to Jews that do not receive Jesus. Paul's making a statement here. It's a very important statement that we make still, still to this day, that a non-believing Jew is no better off spiritually than a non-Christian. There, there is no benefit spiritually before the Lord in being a Jew. Is there a, is there a material benefit? Absolutely. You are the chosen people of God. You have the law. You have the Torah. Paul talks about that in Romans 9, 10, 11. He talks about all the benefits that the Jews get because they are God's chosen people. But spiritually speaking, what he says here is, if you don't have Christ in your life, you're lost. You're of no better spiritual condition than a pagan Gentile without Christ. And by the way, this does not impede Paul's desire to win the Jews. And it shouldn't impede our desire to win the Jews. We should be passionate to reach the Jews. In fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 10, he says, I wish that I could be cut off. In chapter 9, actually. I wish that I could be cut off from Christ so that my brothers, my Jewish family could be saved. I mean, that's a man who had a passion for the Jewish people, right? Well, we still have a passion for Jewish people. We want Jews to come to Christ just like we want every other nation to come to Christ. And the gospel still goes to the Jews first. And, and from this moment onward, Paul still goes to the synagogue first. He wants to win the Jews first so that the Jews can spread out and win the nations. This is still God's mandate for his church. We should be absolutely praying for Jerusalem, praying for the salvation of Jews, praying for the salvation of all people. But most notably here, Paul is making a point. I shake off the dust. I shake off my garments. Because if you don't have Christ, you have nothing. Moving on. Verse 7. And he left there and he went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Now, this is a Roman name. Titius Justus is a Roman name. And Romans had three names, typically. And so his two names here are listed. And then there's another name for him, and that name is Gaius. And so it says that he is a worshiper of God. This is a Jewish man who is a worshiper of God. His house, look at this. This is so funny because this is, this is meant to be funny. His house was next door to what? To the synagogue. That's kind of interesting. So Paul literally walks out of the synagogue and goes next door and, and stays with uh, Titius Justice and starts preaching the gospel. Now look at this. Verse 8, Crispus, the synagogue ruler... Uh, believed in the Lord together with his entire household, and many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, oh, sorry, hearing Paul, believed. Um, so names are important in the biblical text, and you're going to be astonished at what happens in just a few moments. I want you to see this. This guy Crispus was the synagogue ruler, and he becomes a Christian because of Paul's uh, preaching, and he gets baptized. Now, just make a note of that. Because as the synagogue ruler, and remember, the people in the synagogue just literally rejected and reviled Paul, guess what that means for Christmas? You're out too. So guess what that means for the synagogue? The synagogue needs a new ruler, doesn't it? Christmas has gone with Paul. He's gone next door. <laughs> and the synagogue is with So they, they nominate another ruler, and we're going to find out about him in just a moment. Stay with me. Verse 9. And the Lord said to Paul in one night, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you or harm you, for I have many people in this city who are my people. And he stayed there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. 
This had to be a huge moment for the Apostle Paul. This had to be a huge moment. This man has been chased out of city after city. He's been rejected again and again by his, by who? By his own countrymen. Remember, Paul the Apostle was a Jew of Jews. He was a a Benjaminite. He He was a proud Pharisee. Now the very people that he had associated his entire natural life with are all saying, you're nuts, get away from us. And it's just city after city after city. At some point you say, if you're Paul the Apostle, you have to say, can I get a break? Is anyone ever going to look at me and like me anymore? What's going on? This is, this is getting overwhelming. And in that moment, the Lord comes to Paul and says these powerful words, do not be afraid. We often think of the Bible heroes as kind of inhuman, like beyond the realm of the human condition. These kind of superheroes, if you will, these all-stars of heaven that didn't really deal with real emotions and anxieties. They were absolutely just like us. I want you to understand that. The reason why God, the Lord, has to show up to Paul that night and say, do not be afraid. Do you know why he had to do that? Do you know why? Simple answer. Because Paul was afraid. Paul was worried. He was scared and overwhelmed. He was done. He probably was ready to, I don't know, maybe he was ready to just kind of be like, "Eh, I'm done. I'm going back to Jerusalem. Forget this. I'm going back to Tarsus. The Lord says, no, don't be afraid. And then he says this, keep speaking. Don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you. Now, this is interesting because Paul the Apostle will confess to the Corinthians how scared he was when he came to them. It's actually in our Bibles. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. He says, When I came to you, brothers, I did, not compl- I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And look at verse 3. And I was with you in weakness. Can God use me even if I am weak? Yes. Can God use me uh, in the church and the gospel mission? Can God use me even though I all, sometimes I struggle with my self-confidence? Sometimes I feel like I can't do anything? Absolutely he can. He used the apostle, the apostle Paul in the city of Corinth and is one of the places where he stays the longest in the entire New Testament. He stays there a year and six months. One of the longest places that he ministers to. And he did it all in weakness. And by the way, he establishes one of the biggest churches in the first century in weakness. This is why in in that same Corinthians uh, letter, Paul says that in our weakness, God's strength is made perfect. Listen to me. Let me tell you something pastorally for you. If some of you, and you need to hear this, if you're waiting until all your fears are gone and all your insecurities are gone and all your feelings of you can't are gone to do something for God, you will be waiting until the day you die. You will never be 100% confident that you should step out in faith and do something for God. You will never be 100% confident. I have never, ever in my life felt 100% confident of doing anything. I do it anyway. I do it because God said to do it. I, I, I preach the gospel. You know, every time I get up to preach, there's still butterflies in my stomach still to this day. Before we turn on the cameras here in the Deep End Studio, I still get a little bit nervous right before it happens. I still got to do it. Oh, and then don't let me get started about half after I'm done doing this stuff, after I'm preaching, after I'm done with the deep, and I'm like, oh, I never want to do that again. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I pour it all out. It's all over. No, I get up and I do it again. Because you know what? You have to push through what you feel like. You have to push through your weaknesses. You have to disregard it, and you have to remember what the Scripture teaches us, that sometimes God's best men wanted to give up. Moses, we talked about him on Sunday. He, he was thinking that he was going to get stoned by the people. And God has him strike the rock and the water comes out. At one point, Jeremiah said, Lord, you deceived me. You tricked me. You tricked me into this. Jeremiah, the prophet. Elijah Elijah wanted to give up and commit suicide. Take my life, Lord. I'm no better than my ancestors. Man, if you don't feel that at times, it might be because you haven't actually stepped out and done anything yet. And if you're on the verge of stepping out and doing something and you feel overwhelmed by the moment, my friend, don't let that feeling of overwhelming stop you from actually doing Because feelings are not fact, and feelings are deceptive. Paul the Apostle says, I was here with you in weakness, and what? In fear and much trembling, and yet he did it. What a pastoral lesson for us today. Push through what you feel and do what God has asked. And then notice this next thing that he says. I am with you, and he says, I have many people in this city. Oh, I love that. I love that word from God in this text. I just love it. Do you know why? Because it reminds me that in every city, God has people. Every place that we go, God has people. There are people coming to Christ in droves in Iran. We talked about that a few months ago. There are people coming to Christ in North Korea. I remember having a sit-down chat with a a pastor in New Jersey uh, over the summer. Uh, He's been to Cuba. He's preached the gospel in Cuba. I said, Cuba? 
I said, is there anybody saved in, in Cuba? He said, you'd be surprised. The Church of Jesus Christ is blowing up in Cuba. Communist Cuba? Yes. See, God has a people everywhere. It's, it's, it's such a beautiful promise to Paul the Apostle. Don't, don't give up. And I wonder who here today you need to hear in this COVID-19 crisis about this new stage that we're in, this new phase of reopening and, and starting to crack the doors of, of going back to life as we once knew it in some semblance. I wonder who here is letting fear overwhelm them, letting fear get the best of them and thinking I could never go back. Maybe you're starting to think, you know what? I think I like online church for the rest of my life. Whoa, 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 whoa. Be careful. Be careful that you don't let fear dictate who you become and what you do. I'm not saying don't be cautious. I'm saying don't let fear call the shots in your life. Let's go on, shall we? Because this, this passage gets even better. But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, and Achaia is the province in which Corinth is the capital of ancient Rome. So this guy is kind of like the, the, the governor of the state, if you will. When Gaio was proconsul of Achaia, the, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. And now notice this. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or a vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to, be, uh, to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourself. <laughs> I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal, and they all seized who? Sosthenes. Notice who he is. He is the what? The ruler of the synagogue. So Crispus, remember Crispus, the original ruler of the synagogue in Corinth? He gets saved. He follows Paul. He gets baptized. He follows Paul. He goes with Christ, okay? So this guy named Sosthenes, this poor guy, he becomes the new ruler of the synagogue. And what do they do? After, after Gallio says, I don't want to hear about your stupid complaint about religious terms. Who cares about that? That's not my issue. I'm worried about keeping peace in the city. So what do they do? They grab, the Jews who hate Paul grab their own leader and they beat him in front of the tribunal. And Gallio is like, pish posh. He's like, I don't care. Paid no attention to any of this. Um, what, what's significant about this passage? Here's what's significant about this passage. Uh, remember, Crispus was the synagogue ruler. Now Sosthenes is the synagogue ruler. And he gets a beating. He gets a beating, not from Paul, not from the Christians. He gets a beating from his own people. He gets a beating from the Jews who are upset that Gallio will not fight their cause against the new Christian sect of Judaism. Well, guess what happens? Evidently, this beating woke up Sosthenes. Because look what Paul says to the Corinthians when he writes back to them years later. Is the very first two verses of 1 Corinthians. Here's what it says, 1 Corinthians 1, 1 to 2. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ and our brother, who? Sosthenes. Whoa, that is so cool. Paul and Sosthenes are writing back to the church in Corinth. Guess what happened? After Sosthenes got his, got his butt kicked in front of Gallio, guess what happened? He said, you know what? I'm done with the Jews. I'm going with Jesus. I'm, I'm done with the, the Jewish sect. I'm going with Jesus. He gets saved. Now listen, it is not common for a beating to lead people to Christ. But you know what? If it works, it works. So this guy, <laughs> he gets beat up and he comes to Christ and he becomes a partner of Paul's in the ministry of Jesus. And it's just another point. It's just another point from this great chapter to just prove that God can give you teammates in spite of whatever questionable, crazy, upending context you find yourself in. I am excited for the end of COVID-19. Here's why. Because I'm looking forward to who's gotten saved through the online ministry and is ready to put their hands into the work of Jesus. I am excited for post-COVID-19 ministry because I am looking forward to seeing the passion come to the church and the excitement for what we do. How many of you have learned so much more about how important it is to be the church now through this crisis than ever before in your life? I have. I have learned. I need you. You need me. We need to be together. We need to have community. It is so important to us. What we do is essential. People are dying of loneliness and depression at record numbers in our generation. And the church has the answer to loneliness in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the community of faith. And more now than ever before, we need to give ourselves to the purposes of God in this. So that's Paul in Corinth. Now, Let's move on because Paul finally gets to Ephesus. And I'm just going to briefly touch on this because next week we will be in Ephesus a lot. 
but let's just take a look, see what happens, okay? After about two or three years, if you remember, let's back up, let's rewind a couple of episodes back. Remember we said this, that Paul wanted to go to Asia. Remember this? This is back two weeks ago. He wanted to go to Asia, and the Spirit of Jesus said no, and the Holy Spirit stopped him, uh, and then he had a dream, go to Macedonia, go to Europe. Basically, the Europe makes in, uh, the gospel makes inroads into Europe through uh, Thessalonica and through Corinth and Berea. Well, now, after three years, check this out, of not being allowed to go to Asia, God finally opens up the door. And this is a beautiful thing. Some of you, God has said no. But no is not always final. No is not always final. Sometimes God's denial is not denial. It's just a delay. It's just a wait. Some of you get so frustrated when God says no to something. Like, oh, I wanted to be married by my 30s or whatever. I wanted to be married by my 40s. Or I wanted to have kids today and, and nothing. And you're thinking that, that the denial of, in the moment is a firm denial. It just might be a delay. So don't give up. Don't, don't stop praying for what you want to see happen in your life. That's what happens to Paul the apostle here when he finally gets to the place he wanted to go in Asia. Verse 18, after this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria with Priscilla and Aquila. At Chentre, he had his hair cut, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus and he, stayed, and he left them there, but he himself went, on, went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Okay. Only thing I want to touch on this is this. Uh, first off, we see that Paul is still practicing the Jewish faith by having, you know, practicing a Nazarite vow where you don't cut your hair, and then the minimum, according to ancient tradition, for the Nazarite vow was 30 days, and so evidently this was some, some vow that they took. But there's good evidence that this was a vow of thanks, that when you cut your hair in the ancient world as a Jew, as a Nazarite, you would cut your hair and you would take the Nazarite vow to say, Lord, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for what you've done in my life. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, Paul is thankful that God protected him through the attacks in Thessalonica, uh, the subsequent attacks in Berea from the Thessalonians, if we remember, and then uh, the craziness in Athens, and now in this pagan, immoral, sexually immoral city of Corinth, the Lord has protected him, not only protected him, but brought him more teammates uh, from the strangest of places, such as Crispus and, and Sosthenes and, and Priscilla and Aquila, and all the things that could have upended the world at that time, God uses to bring people together for Paul, which kind of underscores why he writes to the Romans in Romans 8.28, God works all things together for the good of those who love and are called according to his purposes. How did Paul write that? Because Paul had lived that. He had experienced that. And here he is finally in Ephesus, and he's like, all right, let me cut my hair. You know why? I'm thankful. God has led me. God has protected me. God has been with me. And now I'm finally, I'm finally where I wanted to be. I wanted to be in Ephesus, and he's there. So, verse 20, when they asked him to stay for a little longer, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. Notice, notice the surrender here. He's like, I'll come back. I wanted to be here in the first place, but if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. You say, why did he leave? Well, here's why he left. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. That's where he officially uh, took the call of being a missionary, if you remember way back in Acts chapter 13. Verse 23, after spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next to the region of Galatia and Phrygia. What did he do? He strengthened all the disciples. So Paul, who wanted to get to Ephesus, God stopped him, finally gets there. He starts the church. He starts doing some ministry. He wins some people to the Lord. But he says, look, I want to come back. And if the Lord wills, I will be back. But here's the deal. I got a lot of churches I got to look after. He wasn't a, he wasn't a running, uh, running gun missionary. He was invested in these churches that he, invested, that he planted. And so he went back, checked on the churches, wanted to make sure. Listen to this. Very, this, is the last, this is the last passage we're going to deal with. He wanted to make sure that the churches and the people that he invested in were not just one to Christ, but they were strong in Christ. They were healthy in Christ. He wanted to leave behind people who loved Jesus. Which brings me to some sobering news on this edition of the D-Band Podcast. Today we learned the passing of the great apologist, Ravi Zacharias. He uh, contracted a rare form of cancer and died quickly. He went very quickly. Ravi Zacharias started RZM Ministries, RZIM Ministries. He uh, speaks on the incredible podcast that you should listen to called Let My People Think. He's an apologist for the faith. Apologist means that he defends the faith. Uh, he spent decades going from college campus, secular college campus to secular college campus, talking to the skeptics of the uh, st uh, student body, 
uh, taking their questions, answering their questions with wisdom and grace and knowledge and know-how, and uh, he was a giant of the generation. I thank God for him. I have learned so much from him, and today we mourn his passing, but we know that what is sad for us is joy in heaven as he has come into the presence of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who, at the young age of 17, saved him from suicide on a hospital bed in India. Isn't that amazing? God can take crisis and turn it into a good thing for those he calls. Isn't that, isn't that cool? Isn't that cool how it all comes full circle? God has, to, God has to sometimes get our attention through these crises. God has to sometimes get our attention through things like COVID-19 and things that we, we really don't want to experience in life. But through it all, God can do some great things in you and for you. And that's the Deep End Podcast today. I hope that you have been blessed by this content. And if you have, please like it on the YouTube page. Please subscribe, youtube.com slash TV, And click the notification bell, as we always encourage you to do so. Leave a comment below. Let us know how it's blessed you. Let us know if you're coming to church. Let us know how you're feeling, how you're doing. We, we love you. Pray for you. Hopefully, I'll see many of you at Water Church on Sunday. God bless you. See you next week on The Deep End. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of The Deep End. We pray it helps you grow in your faith and your walk with Christ. If you don't already have a home church, we invite you to come out to one of our campuses this weekend. Check us out at waterschurch.org to find a location near you and a service time that fits your schedule. Make sure to stay tuned for next week's episode of The Deep End with Tim Hatch.